Welcome everyone to the latest episode of Advisory Advantage, the podcast that tells you how to do advisory and not just the why. Uh, I'm Richard Francis. I'm CEO of Spotlight Reporting, a CA of 20 mumble years experience, and I'm joined by my good friend, Michael Carter, across in Australia. G'day, Michael. Hey, Richard. Wonderful to be back together again. And our special guest today is Jason McDonald of White and Black Accountants up in Queensland. So very excited to have Jason along. Welcome. Hi, Richard. Thank you for the welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. No problem. And you're a little bit different to other accounting firms, so we're going to let you do your own intro. Tell us what makes White and Black different to the usual accounting firm. Well, we are different on a number of fronts, I guess. Um, in terms of, um, um, we, we're quite a small firm, we're quite a, a nimble firm. Um, in terms of my background, um, that kind of um, explains why we are a bit, a bit different. I started this firm fresh about three years ago and my background isn't really from a traditional um, SME accounting firm background dealing with um, smaller medium-sized businesses I actually come from you know a large corporate um, you know big four firm and also worked in in corporate for a number of years um, and so I came into the industry let's call it the, the SME um, um, accounting industry um, with no real preconceptions on how a, an accounting firm should, should operate or, 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 or um, operate. Um, and it was also kind of, at, you know, about three years ago, the technology was getting a bit settled in terms of who the best provider were, particularly in, in Australia. Um, so I had the luxury of starting with a clean slate. Um, I didn't start with any clients. Um, so I had no legacy systems, no preconceptions i think when i started i didn't even know what zero was um so <laughs> yeah had to, had to google it um so <laughs> um i i did the research obviously did the due diligence um but i could actually build my firm literally with it with a clean slate you know clean piece of paper work out what what a modern f firm should be doing should operate um, and so I built it from there. Um, so from the ground up, it's been built a bit differently to other firms because um, it is quite modern. Um, it's been you know, designed primarily to, to um, suit how I want to operate it as well. Um, I think you know, anyone going to your website, Jason, you know, you can mm -hmm. see, you know, it's design lead, which is pretty, pretty rare. Mm -hmm. I he's grinning there because he's, um, he's, he's part of your, of your network but um you know nicely designed fresh website but also without without having this legacy and the legacy clients hmm. tell us a bit about your client base because you've got some you know i'm seeing words there global amazon etc so you've also got a few slightly hmm. different clients as well yeah and it, again it extends to um, um again my background and the extent of our capabilities and what interests me as well um so my background again I started primarily in, uh, I've got a lot of experience in international tax, um, dealing with multinational companies. Um, I still wanted to do with a flavor of that. So when I started the business, um, there was a large focus on international clients. So people doing business across borders was our focus. Um, 
that then led into a, a more narrow niche, um, particularly in e-commerce, because e-commerce lends itself to doing business internationally. That's now even gone down to an even more micro niche now of dealing with Amazon sellers. Um, they tend to be a very particular type of um, uh, client. They've got very specific needs. They operate very differently to everyone else. Um, so um, we've tailored our, you know, in terms of how we present ourselves to the market, it's obviously to, to be attractive to those type of um, uh, potential prospects. Uh, but yeah, it's very, it's very deliberate. It's nothing has been done by accident, so to speak. Um, the, you know, we engage professional designers, um, everything's done to, to attract our ideal person. So yeah. Jason, in terms of the journey, when people hear, I'm sure a lot of people, when they hear specialization niche on one hand, they think, Hmm, makes sense. On the other hand, that's scary. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing your journey of how you've started with a fairly common strategy of, okay, well, we can help small and medium sized businesses. Mm -hmm. Yep. If they're doing international business, great to a more focused one over time and what benefits you've seen from that focus strategy. Yeah, so when I started, you know, three and a bit years ago, it was a very general practice. I, you know, I'm into that, and it's I, th I think it's probably yeah, nearly everyone does that because um, I started with no clients. Um, I think as my as I found my feet um, in the trade, so to speak, um, I think hey, I do want to work with um, international clients. I do want to work with ambitious. Uh, business owners that have global ambitions. So that became my focus was working with people who wanted to play on the global stage. Um, that in itself um, is a difficult strategy to pull off, particularly at my level, um, because you tend to be dealing with much larger, larger businesses. Um, you're competing against much bigger firms. Um, who have the power behind them of international networks. Um, so as a strategy, yeah, it um, works well to some extent, but it's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough field to play. One of the things I remember you identified when you looked at the model that we teach of the seven different layers of value mm -hmm. is I asked you, how many years would it take to get another team member up to speed to your level? of expertise on international tax. And your answer was a scary number of years. Mm. So there was an issue with your strategy of how scalable it would be. How did that affect your uh, strategic decisions after that realization? Yeah, and that, that was one of the turning points was um, part of my strategy previously was, yeah, we can provide pretty, you know, bespoke advice or, you know, very niche advice at an international tax advisory level. Uh, the problem with that is that's very difficult to leverage or scale because it's so dependent on your knowledge. I think most advisors and accounts would agree it's very difficult to find a good tax advisor, let alone advisor who specializes in international tax. Um, again, it's getting the caliber of person just not at the right level to, you know, um, attract the right skill set, so to speak. So it was very dependent on me. Um, so in terms of uh, um, building a, yeah, a leveraged model, that was not going to work. 
So what decisions did you make to improve your scalability moving forward? So once I had clarity around that, I knew scale wasn't going to happen through tax advice. So scale was going to happen through advisory. So I had no skills in advisory. I've never done it before. Um, so it was a matter of getting the right education so that I knew what to do, um, implementing it myself so that I was you know, doing what I was going to do, um, tell my clients to do or advise my clients to do, um, and then getting the right um, tools and processes in order to be able to, to deliver those. So it was a very conscious decision. Hey, look, I'm going to move out of tax. I am going to move into advisory. Um, and that's been a, yeah, it's been a great journey. So. As a blank canvas, as you said earlier, some people would see that as incredibly scary. You saw that as, wow, no constraints, no legacy issues. Yeah. So I thought, look, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. And that's why I like working as a, you know, not working, you know, you can make these decisions when you are, uh, you know, a sole practitioner or sole owner. Um, it's not, you don't have to convince a, a board of partners. Um, you know, the business is designed around me. So, um, so it's, doing what I want or what I think is right. So it's, um, it's, it's scary. And I take, take that point MC, uh, you know, when I started my own firm, you know, you, you do end up a little bit generalist because you've got to pay the bills. And um, I can still remember, you know, wanting to frame the GST refund because it was going to be the first income that came into my business. <laughs> um, but what I really love about your model, Jason, I think it's so empowering. And um, I think more accountants, uh, who are stuck in practices or corporate and want to get out should, should take note. Mm. But you've come in with this blank canvas. You've worked out your own skills and, and actually good international tax advice, I can tell you from within the industry, is really tough to get um, unless you want to pay eye-watering amounts to, to big four firms. But you've, you've worked out that by layering an advisory, which actually goes hand-in-hand hand with great tax advice to have you know, great business advice, you can build depth. So therefore your scale... And tell me if I'm wrong here, but your scale is probably partly from new clients coming in. But I presume you have a pretty handy average client fee because you can do great tax, but also great advisory. Um, and you have that mindset of, of choosing clients that are ambitious already. They're international. They're looking to do cool things. So they're not stagnant, you know, um, kind of ma and pa businesses. They're international yeah, they, they tend to be quite, uh, they've got a degree, the owners have a degree of sophistication about them. They've got a degree of, as you say, ambition. Um, the tax has always been the hook. So they've gone looking for, they either want to grow internationally or they're not satisfied with their current advisor or accountant. Um, so they've reached out for that, you know, that international tax help. Um, so that's always been the hook. Um, and some of those clients who, have started with you know a simple oh let's just do a, i've got a few tax questions they've turned into my biggest advisory clients yeah i mean it's really smart segmentation i think mm. this is you know uh, mc mentioned earlier it's quite scary for accountants to think about specializing um, because it's tempting to be everything for everyone but you've had this really good hook and you've got a segment that it's self-selecting in a way um so being up in queensland has that has that been a plus or a minus? Because you're not quite in the epicenter of everything, Australia, mm -hmm. um, but everything's online. So how's how's your location impacting? 
Yeah, it's, I've never seen it as a huge impediment. I would say um, with the current, you know, current client base, um, there would be a good nearly up to 50% I've never met face-to-face. Um, so most of my clients tend to be from Melbourne. Is a, for some reason, Melbourne is this, um, I draw a lot from Melbourne. Um, and I've never met most of those clients. So um, we do using the same technology that we're doing on this recording now. So we use Zoom. So, and the Brisbane clients, even the Brisbane clients, um, you know, meet face-to-face or via, via Zoom. Um, but it also means I get inquiries now from all over the world. Um, nice. So just in terms of the way the website, um, it, it hasn't, that hasn't been by design. Um, yeah. But um, it, without getting too, you know, techie, but the SEO um, is quite strong um, because it is so niche. Mm. Um, I get inquiries from... from um, from America and from the Netherlands, um, particularly in Europe. Um, so there's, there's potential there that it could be, you know, quite a global operation, but this stage it's just limiting it to Australian clients. What an exciting time to be in an advisory business. You're drawing clients, not just nationally, but internationally. Yeah. You're in a, in a very hip, I must say, um, in a suburban location, mm-hmm. um, even though it's in Brisbane, Richard. Um, yeah. <laughs> very hip location. Um, and, you know, when people start with us and we say, we're going to help you um, really become renowned within a niche, they think, oh, yeah, but there's not that many in our area. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many inquiries are you getting at the moment where people are coming to you through website and other means? Yeah, so um, I would get on average, you know, a, a typical week, I'd get maybe one or two inquiries a day. Um, and that, um, it's primarily through the website. Um, so there's obviously a contact form or they might, you know, the local people tend to ring the office. Um, That's um, every that is it. Yeah. It got to us. Yeah. Yeah. We actually really had to, early this year, one of my missing planks was we didn't really have much of a sales process. Um, that had to be arrested very quickly because we actually couldn't deal with, the um the con you know the prospects coming in the door so wow. we actually had to set up a system to to manage that well, well tell and, us the before and after what was missing before what have you done now um before it was just a ad help response um to people and there was no real recording of of data we didn't really have a crm um now it is a very defined process in terms of once you're in you've gone in through the funnel so to speak um there's a very set process. Um, and again, it's a way of, you know, filtering out people who aren't an ideal fit for us. You've, there's a few technology hoops you need to, uh, you know, a prospect needs to go through in order to have, uh, you know, an initial discussion with me. Um, so they have to, you know, for instance, they need to do a self booking through Calendly, not the most arduous or challenging um, technology proposition, but it does filter out some people. Um, but in terms of, <laughs> We actually have a very um, defined sales process now, and that um, a it it gave structure to the process, so that um, I knew what I was doing. It also meant I could leverage the process; I could get other people involved in the process because it was um, 
you know, repeatable and documented. Um, so some of the things that I was doing, I could give to, you know, to, to a support person. Um, um, and it just gave me confidence because um, I knew what I was doing. I knew what the next steps were. Um, and I noticed a massive difference in terms of where I was able to, to take the prospect um, because I had a, almost like a routine. So and I still use that routine and the conversions um, made a massive difference in terms of um, how responsive the client, how responsive they were to where we so, wanted to take them. Yeah. So a structured sales process, great for you, great for your team, but it also comforts a prospective client coming in to know that they're actually dealing with someone who's very organized and systematic and professional. Yeah. And they love it. They just think, wow, you've got, um, if this is the way you handle just an inquiry, you must have really good systems in place for everything else. So yeah, it's that, that very, that first impression is really important. And that kind of wows them. The technology wows most people actually. And it's just yeah, what I think is probably becoming standard now. And I like that if they can't figure out how to book an appointment through Calendly, you don't want to talk to them anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's, it's, again, it's a self-selection filter. So. It's like an acceptance process, isn't it? Um, mm. Survival to the fittest, kind of Hunger Games stuff. Um, <laughs> it's really important having the marketing. You're obviously doing some smart marketing, SEO, et cetera. Uh, engaged, you know, you've got MC in, in your neighborhood. Um, and, you know, advisory is still very human. So you're you and your expertise are obviously um, a large part of the attraction mm -hmm. behind the scenes. You know, you're a technology enabled fresh business. What, what's the tool set? What are the, what are the um, go-to apps that you use to power your business, Jason? Yeah. Um, good question. Um, look, I think when it's no surprise, um, I was just having this conversation with someone before, um, I'm not in the business of reinventing stuff or, um, you know, developing my own technology. So I take, look at what's in the market, what works, what fits together well, um, and exploit that. And, you know, I've looked at what other accounting firms do and I emulate those. So it's nothing groundbreaking. Um, so, um, but I like consistency because it means I'm able to deliver a consistent product to my clients. It means, the training is fairly straightforward for my team as well. Um, so, you know, foundational, you know, we use zero. So if you want to be a client, you have to go on zero. Okay. Um, so the zero ecosystem. So we use um, zero tax. We use zero work papers. Um, Good. You know, feeding into that, we use practice ignition for our engagements and our proposals. Um, for um, we use Box as our main platform for for keeping our, our documentation. Um, we use Spotlight Reporting for our advisory. Um, we use some tools that um, the Gap offer in terms of um, um, running the advisory process. Um, we, for our CRM, we use um, we use Active Campaign. Um, and for email marketing. So yeah, it, it's nothing that's not atypical for, for that you see promoted out there. Our, for our workflow management, we use Carbon. So, um, and I think that's a, you know, a great tool in terms of um, you know, keep managing the, managing the team. So yeah. yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that it's probably not atypical, but 
in a way, I mean, uh, we hear all those names and, you know, obviously at Spotlight, we know all those guys well, but um, actually there's not that many firms that use all of those tools or use them right across from that early engagement, you know, the marketing emails through engagement, uh, core accounting, reporting, forecasting, and then kind of out the other side. So I think sometimes we take for granted that we're a technology firm and we use just the tools we always hear about. But um, I don't know what you see, MC, but often there's, mm. they're not end-to-end. Well, I completely concur. When you said, Jason, oh, it's not all that groundbreaking, not for you and not for the cloud-based progressive accounting firms that you mix with, but the average accounting firm out there doesn't even have a CRM, doesn't even have... Um, let alone marketing automation. So you're using active campaign on that front. So you've got a tech stack where the data would flow. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, someone Googles you and, and finds you based on specific phrases. And I had a look in your implementer um, platform in the keyword report there. And you're just nailing all of your target keywords. You're in the top three in Google. So they Google you, they find you, they engage with you on the website. If they do contact us, have you got your web forms as Active Campaign uh, web forms that go straight into Active Campaign with their name and email? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So yep. they did the data entry there, not you guys. Mm-hmm. Then they might put more detail into Calendly to book their appointment. Again, yep. they're doing the data entry, yep. not you. Then uh, they end up on your email marketing list within yep. Active Campaign. And then that data um, can Zaps be shared. Across, yeah, Zaps across to practice ignition. Yeah, and, and um, Predis Edition now integrates with Carbon. So there's data flow across about yeah. six different apps and yeah. the prospect entered it in the first place and then it just flowed from one app to the next. So Yeah, it's feasible it's now that... It, yeah, it's feasible now that there's no, you know, for that name and the basic data, there's no you know, human uh, interference. And one thing we teach in the sales process to is have a gap analysis sort of information gathering process online and that data some of which is fairly intimate data where they're telling you about where they're at in their business where they want to get that flow straight into correct me if i'm wrong fields in active campaign as well yeah exactly yeah so similar to um others yeah more larger and sophisticated crms but yeah that can be done Lovely. absolutely it's a so, great um tech stack you've got going there beautiful yeah so, so one of the questions MC and I always get asked um, after these, and, and um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in the cool kids bucket. So we we, we say, I, oh, you know, you guys interview the cool kids. I've got these great tech stacks. They're doing all this amazing stuff, but show me the money. Are they monetizing it? Are they are they actually, you know, are they are they getting these high value clients and doing the kind of stuff that you know you talk about in, in your transform book, Rich? And um, so talk to us about how you monetize your advisory you can as much information as you want to share over to you jason okay so monetizing advisory um so i I think the distinction i'd like to make is that the tools are cool and it's good to have all that but that's just a means to an end okay so ultimately what are we delivering to clients and i see that you know i'm there to help clients Okay. And in terms of advisory, how do we help clients? I think there's three main things that you're helping clients do. It's one, um, you're um, helping them set their, you know, their goals, in particular, their financial goals. Um, two, you're working out, well, how are you going to achieve that? 
Okay, so what's the roadmap look like? What's the what actions do you need to take to 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 achieve your goals? And then three, it's accountability. Okay, so that's how that's what I see advisory is in a uh, uh, you know accounting context or how accountants can do advisory. Again, it's not groundbreaking. It's nothing original. Um, it's I think the execution though is is what. Um, might be particular to me. Um, I then use those tools to to deliver those, you know, three elements. Um, in terms of monetizing it, it's well. Um, I think the key is establishing before you, you. I think before you can do any of that, um, it's establishing what are the goals of the client. Once you understand what the goals are, um, that's how you develop. Uh, a solid relationship built on trust. Um, you, you understand their business. You understand where they're heading. And if you're, you know, if you're in a niche, you you know what problems are going to lay ahead of them. Um, because most of I know most of my clients in, in the niche that I'm in, they have the same problems. So I know the the journey that they need to go on to get to their goals. Um, so it's working with them um, to map out, um, you know. Um, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to tackle these problems? Um, and we use the the tools that are available to us to to um, help guide them in that journey. I think that simplicity is beautiful. Things don't have to be complex to work, do they? No. So, so the accountants often ask about the whole goal setting thing, and and um, you know, it's great that you're starting there. Is that is that some accountants do that? before they get the proposal and the engagement and all of that together, you know, it's kind of like the free introductory discussion. What's your approach to, to really get the relationship off to a good start? Is that kind of a, a free client review or do you go straight into um, paid advisory? I think you need, I mean, it's part of the, you know, it's part of the scoping um, phase. Let's call it scoping. Um, you've got to raise it you need to understand what their aspirations are. I mean, everyone has aspirations and goals where we monetize that is, well, have you, you know, can you articulate that? Have you got that in writing? Have you got smart goals? Have you documented when you want to achieve the goal by, have you documented, um, you know, what that looks like in terms of, um, you know, monetary value. So it's, it's putting structure around the goals. Um, and formalizing it um, that's what accountants can monetize um, as part of their service and clients see value in that because uh, once you've got a goal that's set um, they're more likely to uh, experiences that they'll achieve that goal more quickly and in because they're heading of, in the right direction sorry Jason in terms of monetizing it too would it be fair to say that there's a mindset difference here that to you is normal but to the typical firms not in that advisory is your core offering. It's not an add on that you hope to upsell later. It is the offering that from the get go you scope out and deliver. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have wrestles in my mind as well. Why do we even do the accounting now? Um, so I, I think the advisory is so powerful um, in terms of the value that we can add to the clients and the service that we can offer because people really, you know, it makes a massive difference to, to their business and to their livelihood and to their future. 
Um, I see now the counting is really just there to make sure that, you know, I, I tend to be a bit of a control freak, but um, the accounting there is just to make sure that, hey, we've got reliable and robust numbers so that we can have the sensible conversations, you know, once a month or once a quarter with our clients. Um, that's what I see it there as. And, I, yeah, and by the way, we'll make sure that, you know, we'll do your tax and make sure that you're not paying more tax than you need to. But it's, I learned pretty quickly, you don't get much traction on around a tax conversation apart from <laughs> not paying any tax. Um, people don't want to talk about tax. Well, so, we're, coming, um, we're coming towards the end of our time together, Jason, but I think one thing uh, we always love to, to wrap up as, as kind of a final question, yeah, these podcasts are about people trying to change the industry and do great work for their clients and, and who are feeling really empowered. You've been on this three, three and a half year journey. If you could give some advice to the Jason of three, three and a half years ago, what would that advice be? It would be to have the courage to take a plunge um, with, with a getting, you know, backing yourself behind a niche. Um, but also that um, there is a lot of assistance out there in um, advisory. Um, so you just need to go out and grasp it and, and get the, get the right education, get the right support. Um, you know, look, you know, self implement. Um, and once you've, you know, once you've got the, the confidence yourself, you understand what you're doing, then um, it just becomes a natural extension um, of your service offering to clients because you, you, you won't be able to help yourself to, to not offer it to clients. Um, so yeah, it's, it's to, um, to make sure that, you know, whatever you want to do to your clients, you do to yourself first. Brilliant. That's good advice in itself. Thank you for that. That was awesome. And uh, MC, do you want to do a bit of a wrap for us? Sure. Well, um, firstly, thank you, Jason, for taking a chunk of time out of your day. Nice. But to recap, if you think through with advisory, there's market it, there's sell it, there's deliver it. The take-homes that I see with market is you've had focus, you've had the courage to focus in, you've changed your offering to be scalable. And around selling, you now have defined structured process. Mm -hmm. Take away there, I think. For everyone and around um, the delivery aspect just use trusted tools and don't reinvent the wheel there's plenty of tools that that work there already yep. and focus your clients on their goals the roadmap to get there and then keep them accountable on the journey well thanks again Jason I look forward to getting another update from you yep. uh, across 2019 because no doubt you'll uh, step up to the next level again but uh, no thanks worries, for your time today no worries pleasure Jason. Yep. Thanks, Here's bye-bye. See you all next time.